a Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show on RacerX.com. With your continued support of our sponsors, we have surpassed 1,000 podcasts delivered with over 7 million downloads. Click that Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out and donate via Patreon if it suits you. And as always, enrich your moto lifestyle by working with the sponsors who support us. The original Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome, everybody, to the Fly Racing Racer X Podcast 250 Supercross East Preview. Coming in hot into Minneapolis this weekend, the East Coast 250 guys, and uh, we're going to break it all down, talk about what's going on, and what we think is who we think is going to do what. Remember, do not hold us to any of these predictions. Please do not do that. Light hydrogen race where fly racing continues to develop and improve the light hydrogen gear through the constant feedback from guys like Pike and Kennard and others, uh, with the end goal always being to create the lightest, most breathable racewear on the market. Fly Racing Light Hydrogen Line is minimalist racewear designed for maximum stretch and maximum performance. Flyracing.com. Please check them out. Thanks to those guys for coming on board the, the podcast. They uh, make much more than gear also. If you're in the market for some snow stuff or some mountain bike stuff or some hard parts, flyracing.com, bro. They'll, uh, they'll handle you. All right, 250 Supercross East Preview. First up, the voice of uh, GNCC, the voice of American Motocross, the voice of Endurocross, the voice of Quad Racing, the voice of Geneva Supercross, the sometime voice of NASCAR, the Jason Wygant. Yeah. What? Guess what, Steve? What? Might be adding a new one to that list and negotiations to potentially be the voice of American Flat Track Racing, which is the new name of dirt track in the United States. If you, if you have a race and you want someone to call it, Wygant will do it. That's what we're proving. That's what's happening. That's what's well, well, actually, Ralph first, and then whatever Ralph doesn't do, I do. And pretty much between the two of us, we will, every single thing that could possibly be raced will be called. And do these people know that you do this stuff with a pillow over your head upstairs in the, in the bedroom? Yeah, I haven't revealed that in any of my um, you-need-to-use-me negotiations. <laughs> All right, okay. Well, we'll, yeah. we'll keep that on the down low for now. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, also on the line from FlyRacing.com, former German Supercross title holder, former Montreal Supercross winner, privateer hero, Jason Thomas. What's up, JT? Not much. Just ready to uh, ready to switch it up. I feel like it's, I mean, I guess it is starting over, but you get to see a whole different group of guys that you kind of forget about. Bro, we're six rounds down already. Like, seriously, we're yeah. almost halfway through the Supercross series. Series doesn't start till Daytona, so I'm not sure what you're talking about. Okay, yeah, you're right. Uh, my bad. I, uh... Yeah, I mean, we're gonna. It's not too long out where we're gonna be booking national flights. Not that you're far gonna be away. National flights. Oh yeah, I forgot. Right. <laughs> um, all right, two fifty east. And by the way, like, good thing we're doing this now and couldn't do it earlier. Like, whew, so much better to do it now. Thank God. Thank God we're doing it now. So, I just think we should have done it before in the other podcast. I'm still gonna stand by that. I'm gonna stand by yeah, that. I think we're. I, I think we're giving them the the uh, credit and attention that they deserve by having their own podcast. Okay. All right. 
Um, you got lucky. Like, what if Zacco or somebody had stacked it up three weeks ago? Like, just because that didn't happen doesn't mean that was a great idea. All right, okay, so let's get into this. Uh, Minneapolis coming up. <laughs> Joey Savacci, to me, uh, I know we talked, my my picks were Forkner and Plessinger on the West. I thought they were pretty much tied in my mind for the title, and looks like neither guy is going to uh, to capture that title. Um, maybe Plessinger, but certainly not Forkner. But to me, going into Minneapolis, I think uh, I live in Las Vegas. I think Joey Savacci of the Monster Pro Circuit team is the slight, keyword slight, odds-on favorite for this East Coast title. What say you, Wygant? Yeah, I agree. Uh, one thing that surprised me when you look at Savacci, winning races is not easy. I know that's a rocket science right mm-hmm. there. But he's actually won quite a bit. You know, he didn't get one national win last year. He won... Several. At one point, the Nationals last year, I think he won five of the first nine motos. And he won three Supercrosses last year. Um, he's gotten well, well, well over the hump of winning races, which is the only step uh, before you win a title. Uh, his career total in wins almost surprised me. Uh, he's, because he's done it in a short amount of time once he figured it out. I'd I just say that when you've won that many more races than the other guys are lining up against, makes you the favorite. And he's not known for being some, you know, wild crasher dude necessarily. Mm-hmm. So if, take, if that's not a factor, what's not to like? JT, what do you think? Yeah, I think he has to be. You know, he and Christian Craig were really close last year. I felt like they're, you know, obviously they were even too close. They collided at times. And, uh, you know, like the, was it Dallas last year that they crashed together? One of the races, Phoenix maybe. Yeah, um, yeah. But I, I think it, I think Joey's the favorite on paper. Uh, but I think over a series, I think it's going to come down to those two. The rest of the guys either don't have their pace or don't have the consistency or seem to be just lacking one piece of the puzzle. Where both of those two guys, I think, uh, are capable of holding it together for uh, an entire series and winning races, which I think you're going to have to do both to walk away with this thing. Really, you, you would put Craig and Savachi uh, as sort of the the, the two main guys. I do. Yeah. I I think if you take all of the rest of the guys, you can kind of poke holes in their game somewhere, whether it's consistency or whether it's raw speed or whether it's the the ability to just win races, which you kind of have to do um, in these short series, you got to win. I I just think those two, especially coming off of last season where they were, you know, basically if it wasn't for Cooper Webb, they would have been the, the title fight between those two. Uh, I think they're they're the most seasoned and and have the edge going in. Weege, uh February fifteenth, twenty seventeen, eleven a.m. Jason Thomas officially off the Alden Baker bandwagon. Make a note, please. Make a note. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, I, I think I think Osborne's in that group. I think Osborne it fits they, in that category. You, you, of where no, he he's not in that group. Ever... He's not in that group. You said he's not in Craig and Savage. No, no, no. I'm saying the group of guys where you could find oh. some inconsistency. Okay. They either have had crashes or bike failures or haven't won enough races outright or there's something there. And I think Zach would be kind of the 1A due to his experience level in this class because, you know, I know how you feel about this, but let's face it, he's been on a 250F for 11 years or 12 years, going on 12 years. Uh, So he certainly has the experience, but just for some reason it hasn't ever panned out in these uh, these 250 series for him to be a title threat. I'm starting to get some wacko Zacco momentum going. I'm starting to – I know I just said Savachi, and I I stand by that, but – I think Osborne's – I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the photos he's posting where he's just ripped. 
I mean, he looks like a different dude. Um, it's Alden Baker, all that program. You know, Anderson, Muskan, Dunge. Um, the bike is good. He did have some problems with it last year, JT, which you brought up and and uh, on the Pulp Show, and you're right about that. But mm-hmm. um, I think Zacho is 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 next to me. I, I really do. Listen, and, and I agree. I think if anybody is shocked that Osborne comes out and does really well, that then they're they're just off yeah. base. No, nobody um, should be shocked. But yeah, he just I guess it works in his against him and the fact that he's been doing this for so long and hasn't ever been in the the serious title fight either too so you kind of have to look at it both ways is where yeah he's got to be in this thing right well maybe not because he hasn't been able to get in the fight after all these years Weege? yeah he has to take a leap that's the thing it's like if you're looking at what craig and savachi had last year uh, if they just stay where they are i mean they won four of the nine races in the west last year and Osborne was there and he didn't get a win. So he's got to make a leap. You're counting on him jumping up to where they were last year while you're just counting on them staying the same. Mm-hmm. So that's why I think it's a little bit uh, riskier to pick him. I do feel the one thing Zach has fixed more recently, I mean, the consistency and the crashes and the injuries in Supercross were bad for a while. Last year he was pretty consistent except for those bike problems, but that wasn't on him. So I feel like he's got that part fixed. But Alden Baker, he, you know, I, I heap plenty of respect on him, no doubt about it. But I can't just guarantee that that's going to automatically allow you to jump uh, two other riders who won races last year when you were racing them and you didn't win races. Yeah, it's tough to see a guy winning. I've always said this. It's tough to see a guy winning his first career race and the title in the same year. It seems like you've got to make a step, you know? Yeah, and that's what I like most about Savachi. I feel like we've seen the roadmap laid out time and time again how this works, and he's the one that's followed that path. You have the season where you finally get a win, then there's the season where you win a bunch and you're in the title hunt, but you're in the Blues in the title, and then you have the season where you do uh, win the title. There are exceptions. You know, some guys are just so exceptional they win right off the rip, but most of the time they follow this path that Savachi's on right now. You know what I like about Savachi? And uh, you guys tell me if, uh, if this is something that you like. He doesn't – did he come to any races? Has he been to one race this year? Maybe, no, I haven't seen him. Maybe Anaheim won for to sign him. something. I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe he went for some signature, like for signings or something. But I don't think he's been at a race. He doesn't show insta bangers of himself every single day, ripping through a turn uh, at the at the goat farm. He doesn't, you know, post these inspirational messages about uh, now it's time to go gate drop. Believe in me. Hashtag grind. Hashtag work. Uh, he really he seems to be worried about Call of Duty. Lots of Call of Duty complaints about him, um, uh, and that's about it. And I like that about him. Like, I feel like he's just like, yeah, everything will be in Minneapolis. We'll see everybody there. Uh, you know what I'm talking about, JT? Yeah, he's definitely stayed under the radar unless you're a uh, Call of Duty uh, fan because he, they're definitely – his Twitter is all about some video games. So <laughs> it seems to be most people yes. would view that as a, a bad thing. Uh, but, but once your work is done, resting is crucially important. So I'm sure that's kind of what's happening there. But yeah, I think he stayed out of the the hype game and the you know all the kind of nervousness and pressure and all that. And I really feel for Joey. You know, I, I think he's going to move up sooner than later. And I feel like he has to know that this is his year. And I'm putting you know his year in air quotes. Uh, because it always seems like those guys have that one year where it's like, yep, that was that was just his time. Like everything lined up and stars aligned, and the the 
basically the field against him was set into where he was going to go in and win. And when you look at Joey's results, I don't think that anybody else has anything on their resume like Joey does where I know it's Hangtown and it's a completely different deal, but you look at Joey going to Hangtown. I mean, he, no one in this to the East class has dominated events like Joey did at Hangtown. Um, and I think he, that's just a next-level type performance where most of these other guys don't really have that on their resume. Uh, and I guess uh, next up would be the ultimate wild card, Adam Cincerillo. <laughs> yep. Um, what do we think, Wygant, about AC? Like, again, three career Supercross wins in five races. Um, that's really good. The injuries are really bad. He's got Nick Way, He's got Nick Way helping him out. Uh, Craig has DV, by the way. Maybe we'll break that that shootout down in a little bit. But um, he's the wild card. Like he, I've been hearing from uh, someone close to the Baker Factory that, or not Baker Factory, the Nest. I mean, sorry, I'm getting these these uh, riding areas confused. That his speed is unbelievable. So I don't know where to what to, what to do with that information. But anyways, that's what I've been hearing. He is the wild card. Like, okay, can you can you see why again? Adam coming out and just ripping off three wins out of the first four rounds. Yeah, me too. Definitely. JT, right? Yeah. JT, would you? Would you? Could you not see that? I don't think so because I don't think he's going to be able to straight up beat Joey and and Christian three in a row. I, I okay, don't you don't think so, but happen. you could see it. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. No, I don't think that's that's going to happen. Oh, here we go. That's All right, forget it. Forget that. it. I don't think it's going to happen either. I don't do think... I think Adam could come out and set the fastest lap time and win the race? Sure. But do I think he's going to do that three weeks in a row against, you're not, you're not getting against Joey? You're not getting no, it. I don't. You're not getting it. Why can't can I understand what not, you're saying. He's, that, going he's that level of talent. But if it happened, would you be shocked? I would not be shocked. I would I be shocked. I it to happen, yes, but I would, I would not be shocked. What the hell is this? Thank you. He would be shocked we got that out of him. He okay. would be shocked. Okay. Yes. okay. He would now be shocked. Now let's hope it happens. Now let's hope it happens so we can all show the different levels of shock and not shocked and show what that looks like. Right. I just... It, 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 he's I don't know like I don't know um where's he at like what what's gonna go on with him is he gonna stay healthy is, he's I think he's a better supercross rider than outdoor rider so that 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 part is good but um I still gotta put him though like in 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 this scheme of ranking dudes I gotta put him fourth after Savachi and after Osborne and Craig um but ahead of Amart and ahead of Hampshire and Jordan Smith and these guys um but it's, I think it's a little bit of – I think it's off to say that he's just going to get fourth. He'll be like first or second, or he's going to have some issues. Um, what do you think, Weege? Yeah, you can't pick him as a favorite. That's just disrespectful to dudes who have been doing well recently. I mean, the guy hasn't even raced Supercross since 2015 or since 2014, didn't race in 2015 or 2016. So it'd be disrespectful to have, just for example, someone like Savachi who won three races just last year and say that he's not favored over a dude who hasn't even raced since 2014. So I'm certainly not picking him as my favorite or anything like that. But for sure, he has the puncher's chance of doing something impressive. I think there was more doubt going into the outdoors last year of is he going to be able to get it back? And I think, to me, he showed just enough just enough speed, just enough uh, improvement throughout the season to think, okay, there's still time to get this thing back on the tracks. And we know that if he gets it on the tracks, he can be really good. The Supercross will be good to remind everyone of that he 
Last time he showed up at Supercross, he won three of the first four races he's ever in. So if anyone ever wants to argue that AC was all hype and there was nothing legit behind it, I mean, that's a legit that's legit talent right there. So we know he has it. I think outdoors he showed he can get it back. Cannot pick him over those three guys. But the sky's the limit. I mean, whatever he does, I don't think it'd be – he could get last, he could crash out, or he could win a race. I think all of it you'd put under the – yep, I can see that happening. Right. JT, do you think um, when you look at this list of guys, uh, Craig is the only one that hasn't ridden East Coast? Now, it's not like it used to be where it's all ruddy and crappy and everything else, but it is different dirt. It does get ruddy and beat up and, you know, things like that if the dirt's wet when they're putting it in. and Like in mm-hmm. Indianapolis we saw. Um, I think that hurts Craig a little bit. Not a lot. I don't. Think he's a great rider. He can adapt. But I think that hurts, uh, hurts Craig a little bit. I do. I think it's just the unknown as well. Um, you know, I think the dirt being harder helps his, his size. Uh, wheel spin and all that just it basically is always going to help heavier you know the power to weight ratio because the softer dirt puts more load on the motor and and when you're already struggling on an on an overweight situation not that he's overweight but he's just a bigger kid um, you want the engine to have as little load on it as possible already I don't know how much that hurts Christian because he's so good on the starts he's one of the best starters on a 250 period um, and, and it didn't seem to hurt him at all last year. He whole shot almost every time, it seemed like. Um, but I think the dirt, just uh, not knowing what to expect because he's done the West Coast thing and he knows how the tracks are going to be. He knows the stadiums. He knows so much more than he will going into races like Atlanta and, and Daytona. Don't forget, it's such a huge one for these guys. Uh, it's such a different type of event, um, but it's obviously just as crucial as far as the points. So mm-hmm. I would have chosen if, if I was the team, and, and it's easy to go back you know, in hindsight now, I think I would have stuck with the Jeremy Martinese, Christian Craig West. I think that, that was their best chance of success. Yeah, I mean, what happened was J-Mart showed a ton of speed, right? He was more consistent with his laps, I think was the official word, right? Like the lap times... The best lap times were the same, but when they did motos, he looked more ready to go racing, I think is the, yep. kind of what I've... I heard in the scrimmage, uh, the scrimmage races, Jeremy Martin was winning pretty easily, and that was that oh. was where the decision lied. That would be pretty simple. Pretty simple. Well, but. that was a terrible idea. <laughs> well, it's easy to say that now, right? I know, you're right. You're right. right. Going into it, well, going into it I scratched my head big start time. start last in every East Coast race, he's not going to be any better there either, right? You can't start last and fall in the first turn, no matter what coast you're on. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter how good you were in the scrimmage. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I would just, I would have just thought that Christian Craig showing so much promise last year, uh, winning races in the in title contention. You know, Cooper Webb was kind of uh, the guy, but I thought Christian was right there. On that kind of dirt, I think it suits him better. I just, I don't know. I mean, I understand their th- their thought process with with the outdoor championship being so critical for Jeremy Martin too. Um, but man, it just it's a head, real head scratcher looking back, you know, six weeks uh, into the future now. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Let uh, me ask you guys something about Craig. Can I ask that about Craig? No, no, you I can't. I just outlined how Savacci. I'm taking over. I've outlined how Savacci has followed the the normal path to winning one of these titles. Uh, we just mentioned our Cincerillo's path is completely different than anyone else. No one misses two whole years. That just doesn't even happen. Now, Craig's path is even more bizarre than that. He actually retired. And I was pretty impressed last year with basically having not even raced Supercross in years and never really racing at a super high level. He never won a race. I don't think he'd ever been on the podium. 
he figured all that out pretty quick. Like his Anaheim one was terrible. Second round was pretty good. And then from there on out, he was right in the hunt. Is there a chance that there's a huge improvement coming from Craig just because you forget last year it was practically like a rookie season? Uh, he should potentially get a lot better in year two. Is there something there? What do you think? What do you think, JT? It was a learning year, really, last year. I'm going to say, I'm going to say no um, just because of what he – how he looked in Europe in the offseason and then obviously in the scrimmages he was – it didn't seem like he was winning any scrimmages on that team. Um, so I don't think he's going to take a step back, but I don't, I also don't think he's going to take a huge step forward either. I, I expect to see similar to what we saw last year, which is great starts winning, you know, most of the heat races and hopefully uh, his fitness is in a place where he doesn't lose, you know, races in the last few laps. Um, what about uh, Craig Hire and David Villeman? How do we how do we think about that? And 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 Nick Way helping Adam Cincerello out. Um, I like that move by Craig. I think that I mean not because I think DV is going to you know show him how to ride or anything else, but um, I think that's a that's a positive step for him. Like um, you know, I, it's been working out better than I thought. JT, you and I always joked about on the Publix show that um, they're going to start yelling at each other, but I think it's really working and I think it's helping. Um, every time I check in with either one of, either one of the two guys, it seems like it helps. Uh, so that's a that's a positive I think for Craig. Yeah, I think so. You know, time will tell. When you're talking about riding technique and all that kind of stuff, I mean, there's really only way to one way to judge any of that, and that's going to be on Saturday night at you know at about nine o'clock. Other than that, as long as they're not fighting, you know, that's the only telltale sign. So we'll see. You know, I, I think he. He was in a really good place last year. He just didn't wasn't able to kind of finish, quote unquote, finish the races. Um, So. I, I just hope he's on that same level because if he takes a step backwards, then that looks really bad for DV. And I would I would think unfairly looks bad because I, I definitely don't think DV is detracting. I think he's adding to the program, and it's just got to show up in the results or, or there's going to be a lot of people kind of scratching their heads looking at the program. Hmm. Weege? One thing I like about Craig is partially probably because of his retirement, it seems like he's just willing to deal with uh, whatever. You know, he had by just – almost circumstances, the training program at Geico ended up somewhat based around him. He had a guy that he's buddies with in Minnesota, and then they started training together when he was retired, and then he started coming back and racing a bit, and then that guy moved to California with him, and the next thing you know, that guy is actually the team trainer. But not because Craig asked for it. It just, everybody seemed to like him, and it just kind of happened. So it was easy. It was program that was basically what he was doing at home for fun turned into the professional program. Now it's been upended quite a bit. We can ask Ping if we want for more on this CrossFit thing that the team is doing. Um, oh, I heard I, J- I heard Jmart wasn't doing it. I heard Jmart wasn't a believer. What, what what was that all about? Yeah, yeah. And watch for Hampshire because he's a hundred percent believer and he's going to sweep all the rounds or something like that. I'm not <laughs> something along those lines. But anyway, he had this program last year that just happened to work out well for him personally. Now that's changed quite a bit. Uh, now he's got Villaman, who we know. We love Villeman because he's so opinionated, but that can obviously probably make it a little bit tough to work with him, but he's rolling with that. He's rolling with the fact that the situation has changed over there at Geico. I'm just pretty impressed that he's like, yeah, well, whatever. If it makes me better, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah, yeah, I agree. a lot of riders aren't good at that. Listen, we, us three, we devoted 30 seconds to Shane McElrath in our West preview. I w- and that's being generous. That's being generous. We What's devoted- the name of the podcast? What have we been calling the podcast? The Fly Racing 
Research no, podcast? Shit on Shane. Oh, shit podcast. on. Oh, yeah, yeah. Shit on Shane podcast. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. We devoted yeah. 30 seconds to Shane McElrath, and the guy was a bike malfunction away from leading after the first uh, five rounds. Okay. So, um, six rounds? Six rounds. Yeah. Um, so, I don't want to be an asshole again. Who's the McElrath on the East? We talked about Savachi. We talked about Adam and Osborne and Craig. Is Amart. it is it Amart? Is it Jordan Smith? Yeah. Is it Hampshire? Is it Nichols? Is it is it Jesse Wentland? Okay, may, maybe I went a little far with the Jesse Wentland thing, but I do like Jesse. Uh, it's Amart. Got to be. Yeah, it has to be. So. Same team. Guys won outdoor races. He's been in this class a lot. I mean, he's you know kind of coming in under the radar. Nobody's talking about him a lot. Got to be him. Okay. So the new McElrath on the East Coast could be Amart. When you look at what McElrath had done in bits and pieces through the years, we, we probably did blow it by not putting him on that level. I mean, anyone that he's battled with this year, he's at some point battled them before. He's been in podiums. He's led races. It was probably stupid to not think that he's at that level. Well, Amart has pretty much done that as well. So, like, really, if Amart and Zacco are battling hard for a position, we're not going to be like, oh, my God, Amart and Zacco? Like, they battled all last year. So... We're probably in the same situation here. All right, so is it possible that Amar comes out and wins? Yes. They race? Just the well, well, first two rounds, a la Shane McElrath. I don't want to be the guy that forgets about these guys. We look like idiots. No, no he definitely I, can I, win. I, I agree. Definitely can win. Yeah. yeah. yeah he's been... I'm going to hold out. I'm going to hold out only because of this. Obviously, Amart's huge breakout was the Nationals last year. He had a great Supercross season the previous year with Rock River, but it wasn't the level he was at with the Nationals where he was just, at times, the fastest guy in the class and just winning and getting on the motocross the nation's team that should have won the event. Like That's a ridiculously higher level than he had been. We just haven't seen him yet do that in Supercross, be that level, like, I'm just the fastest guy today. So until we know he can do that, I guess yeah, I'll just hold out for a second. When the hell was Shane McElrath ever just the fastest guy? Never. When were we were like, oh, God, McElrath, he's the fastest guy. He was the fastest guy. You know, we never said Yeah, that. but I feel like McElrath had actually shown more signs than Amart in Supercross so far. But McElrath scoring. No, no, Amart, Amart has like three career podiums. Does McElrath, McElrath had four, I think. He got two seconds in a row, I think, a couple years ago. Um I think, I think if they weren't in the series two years ago, a lot of guys got hurt, but I don't know. I think he had flirted with the front more, maybe not results wise, but as far as running up front, okay. I feel like McElrath has done that more than Amart. If it weren't for Amart's outdoor success last year, I would be definitely questioning this pick, but I think he, he sh- has shown his cards last year that he's, he can be taken seriously for any, any race or championship. I just, don't know if he's going to have it every single week like I think uh, like Savachi will. Yeah, we didn't think that about McElrath. I'm trying to cover our bases here. Well, yeah, I, I think you. anytime you have class with this many kids and these this much inexperience, you're going to have you're going to have dark horses like that. Somebody people break out. You know, that's it's much more likely in this class than it would be in the 450 where the guys are so seasoned and experienced. So the next group of guys: R.J. Hampshire, Jordan Smith, Colton Nichols, Dylan Ferrandis, Benny Bloss. I think five to ten guys. Mm-hmm. Yep. Jordan Smith's got to put it together here one of these times, right? Or no? Is he just continue to crash? 
Well, I think it, I think we need to make it clear that these guys too. I think it's a little different than the 450, where these guys were mentioning they could jump up into the first and second spots at any time. Like the gap, the gap is not huge. So in the 450 class, to to take a ninth place guy like you don't, I would be very very. Uh, I guess you're stretching it very far to say like Brock Tickle is going to jump in to win a race you know, next week and beat all those guys ahead of him. Mm-hmm. But to take a guy like uh, Jordan Smith or RJ or Benny Bloss, those guys could go win a race and I'd be like, hey, yeah, yeah, things just lined up for them. You know, they got the start and, and the pace difference isn't that big. And, you know, um, these guys are still all learning, you know, at this point. So I, I think the the gap difference between your top few and then your second group of mm-hmm. the five to ten is is fairly small. Uh, I think it comes down to the, the the general lack of experience that everyone in this class has. You never know who's going to just put it together, and that's almost impossible to predict. Like, obviously, McElrath, he just put it together. Just like, okay, Savachi just put it together last year, started winning a lot of races. You never know when that's going to click. So for a guy like Jordan Smith or for Hampshire, their teams have been waiting for it to click. Now, it could have clicked last year. It could click this year. It could click never. But there's tons of – Really talented, good, on good bikes and programs, 250 guys through the years, where for some reason it just didn't ever work out. And another one, for some reason, it just did. And trying to predict that, I mean, you know what you're getting in the 450 class, like, like JT says. You know who Blake Baggett is. You know who Brock Tickle is. You know who Millsaps is. We know who Anderson is. We don't know necessarily, is Jordan Smith going to figure it all out and just rip off wins? Or is he going to just be who he's been so far? It's so hard to judge that. I almost thought that was your Danny Green moment. You're going, we know who they are. We know who this guy is. You want to crown (laughs) them, crown their ass. We let them off the hook. (laughs) We let them off the hook. What the did is what every one of these teams is investing in for these guys. You hope the pieces fall into place. And you couldn't ask anyone on TLD what the specific formula that worked for him was. It, they did everything they could, and for him it worked out. But it doesn't Pretty uh, Pretty remarkable uh, comeback for Colt Nichols from a femur. Damn. You know, like pretty good. So good job. Yeah, by I'm him. surprised. Yeah, me too. I have my, I have my uh, suspicions on how ready he will be for a you know 16 or 17-minute main event. Yeah. Yeah, it should be, should be interesting to see. Um, Ferrandez? He's, I've probably seen Ferrandez more than you two guys um, over the years. Uh, he's done all the European supercrosses that I've been to. Always been like, hey, look, here's the, he's the fastest Euro. You know what I mean? Like, just not including Marv or, or somebody like that. Um, he's the fastest Europe-based guy. But, man, he has trouble holding it together. Like, maybe it was a 450, you know, and that was the, that was the problem. But, holy crap, did Ferrandez crash a lot. Uh, but he is fast. He has supercross skills. So this will be interesting. I'm, I'm hearing his starting ability is one of the best uh, out there right now as far as uh, all the practice starts, all the testing and everything. I'm just hearing that he's, his starts should be at the front every single time without question. So we'll see if that pans out, mm-hmm. but I'm hearing good things about it. Yep. Um, Weege, who beats who this year? Does Hampshire beat his old buddy, teammate, Jordan Smith? Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Those guys are like – almost the same age. They were buddies. They were teammates for a long time. They pretty much hung out. It seemed like 24-7. Like, you'd see them at baggage claim together, autograph session together, everything. Uh, so now they're on separate teams. How do you answer that question? It's that same, who's going to put the puzzle pieces together? If you want to put a gun to my head, I'll pick Hampshire. But either one of those guys could win a bunch of races or get a bunch of tents. You just don't know who's going to have the magic formula 
hit. I think Hampshire is super underrated right now, though. Really? Really? Yeah. But you well, didn't... who is even thinking? Who, how many people in the stands at Minneapolis during practice are going to be like, "Oh, I got to look for Hampshire. I want to see how he's doing." Well, why didn't he make you your why didn't he make your Shane McElrath pick? Because you were trying to find the person closest to um, McElrath, and I thought that Amar fit the McElrath mold. Well, it, it, than, didn't, it didn't need to be on the. You weren't asking me who's the surprise. You're asking me who's the most McElrath like. Well, that would be a okay. Never mind. All right. So yeah, so it would be a surprise. Yeah. So you're on it a Hampshire. You're, you're on a Hampshire bandwagon a little bit. Like, watch out. I think that uh, he's he's just been hurt enough to not show you what he has, but he's been out there, so it tends to tend to uh, underrate. Like, once the guy's racing, you don't really know if he's hurt. You assume he's okay, but I think he's never really been a hundred percent. He's still been racing. So I think he has more to give, providing he doesn't hurt himself between now and the race, which he actually did last year. <laughs> yeah. Got hurt his wrist on, like, Thursday or something. Right. Fly Racing, Racer X podcast, flyracing.com. Listen to this commercial and save at uh, Race Tech Suspension and Engines. Use the code PulpMX17 there. And also, Michelin Starcross 5, new tire by those dudes. Um, so listen to this commercial break, a 250 East preview, and we'll be right back after this. Racetech people, racetech.com. These guys have been in business for over 30 years, supplying racers, riders, and tuners with factory-level suspension to everyday racer. There's a lot of top suspension guys in the pits that got their start with Racetech. Trust me on this. There's more than a few guys that have learned underneath Paul Feed and gone on to, uh, to great things. Paul Feed, the original suspension guru. I guarantee you... Eh, probably 82.7% of you people listening to this podcast need some sort of suspension work, whether it's uh, just a simple oil change with new bushings and seals, give your bike some love, whether it's the right spring rate for your weight and or speed, or maybe you just need some revalving on the machine to uh, help you uh, take first place in that Chicken Licks Raceway. Something something uh, on your bike needs attention for Racetech. I guarantee you. Freeze, Gilmore, some of the guys just using uh, Racetech, Privateer Proven. They work with uh, Ben LeMay also. They're back with Ben LeMay. And uh, they offer a full line of Racetech high-performance springs. These springs are called high-performance because they're extremely lightweight for their rates and feature the tightest tolerances in the industry. You want to save 10%? At uh, Racetech, go to PulpMX2015 when you order. You can save 10% at Racetech.com. And they're uh, proud sponsors of this podcast, and we thank you guys. All right. Back to the show. Michelin tires are back, people. MichelinMotorcycle.com. Michelin Starcross 5, brand new, available in hard, medium, soft, and sand. Uh, their off-road tires are some of the best ones out there, and they've revamped this whole lineup. There's no one who knows these tires better than our own, Chris Kiefer. When they're calling it comfort casing technology, what are they talking about? Is this a fancy marketing term or what? No, it's actually the carcass of the tire itself, so how much it flexes or how you know sidewall stiff is that you have when you come into corners. And what's cool about this tire is even from the previous version, on the MH3, it gives more. So when you hit square edge or you're coming out of a corner with some bumps, it has some give to it. And it's more comfort, so it doesn't feel so rigid. A lot of that has to do with the, the CCT. So you're telling me the comfort casing at the end of the day, maybe it helps you a little bit to have some suspension in tires. Yeah, obviously it's flexing a little bit, but also, too, when you come into corners, you don't want it to roll on you. So 
they've got that dialed in to where you come into a corner and you still have enough stiffness where it grabs and bites, but yet straight line, you have comfort. Hey, as a former factory mechanic, Kiefer, I know all about mounting tires, um, so no problem for me to mount anything. Right. Well, maybe not a moose. Uh, you found mounting these new Michelin's uh, pretty easy, actually. Yeah, I'm a great test rider, but my mechanic skills are novice at best, so mounting the tire wasn't too bad. They sent me a bunch of tires to mount before testing, and I was out there busting in the garage, and normally you got to put some tires in the sun, let them soften up a little bit, but this... Uh, the bead rolls on really nice. I didn't have to struggle. No curse words were, were sworn in the garage. So uh, it was a lot better for me, you know, putting these on. Four versions of this tire. They cover all the uses, Kiefer. Reduced weight, comfort casing technology, mounting, traction, handling. They do it all. Starcross 5, MichelinMotorcycle.com. Thank those guys. Check them out at the local dealer people. These guys know tires and they know what they're doing. And we're back. FlyRacing.com. Racer X. Podcast, 250 Supercross East Preview. I'm Steve Mathis, Jason Wygant, Jason Thomas on the line. Um, okay, Benny Bloss, go, JT. Benny Bloss, go. I haven't seen him ride. I mean, I've seen videos, but I think, uh, I think he has a lot of speed. I think the biggest struggle is going to be the size. You know, can he, get, can he consistently get starts? Because you can't start 10th and win a championship. I firmly believe that unless you are a next level talent, um, you know, and, and I, I think Benny's great, but I don't think he's, he's not Ricky Carmichael at this point either. Right. So to be, to be guys like Joey and Christian who are seasoned and ready, uh, you're going to have to start with them. And, uh, I do he'll think he'll have really good races. And I think he'll surprise a lot of people that don't have much, uh, expectation for him. I think he'll be really good in the whoops, so um, he will have some places where he can make some moves. But um, I do I do expect quite a bit from him. I know he expects a lot from himself, and the team has really high expectations for Benny, uh, which I've kind of tried to temper those a little bit, but they're they're undeterred. Like They think he's ready for big things this season, and he very well could be, and I hope he is. Um, but I think going in with a cool and calm demeanor, what, like I think Joey is, is, is the way to go about it. What's the story with um, – he was living with Davey for a while, and Davey was helping him and everything else, and then we had Davey on the Pulp Show, and Davey's like, yeah, Benny left. Is that – Yeah, he went back to Oklahoma. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I don't, know. I don't know all the things behind the scenes there. I know he was working with Tyla, and then he's working with Berner, and he's working with Robbie Raynard again now. Um, so I think he's back on the Raynard program at Robbie's track, and uh, I honestly have no idea all the okay. politics going on there. <laughs> I know there were a lot of meetings, but – um, whatever works best for Benny, I think everyone collectively will, you know, agree that's the best route to go. We need to do a Weege, future magazine story, like a, a shootout, a, a camp shootout, MTF, GPF, uh, uh, Renard, uh, Alden Baker, The Nest. Let's do like a little magazine shootout. We can figure out, like... Yeah, there's... Uh... There's just so much that's probably not even secret that people don't even know, like what are the tracks even like or how many tracks do they have or what do they even do. You know, we assume a lot of this stuff is top secret, but I think most of it is so basic that they wouldn't even think of it as proprietary. Mm-hmm. You could probably give people a lot of information that they would probably think is really cool. Uh, I literally have no idea. Rainer, they're all saying great things. Yeah. So he has like a really good Supercross track or do they have two or who built it? Or I, I want to know. When Renard raced, he's a nice guy. He's a good dude. But when Renard raced, nobody ever thought, like, oh, dude, this guy's got it all together. He has got everything. Like, it was like he crashes, he gets hurt. He's he, 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 Mentally, he's he's out there. Like, he's not mentally he's tough. Uh, you know, he's just got all, tons of natural talent. And somehow, 
Robbie's turned into this race guru, and he's done a good job, and all of his guys like him, of course, and he is a good guy, but I, I'm like, does anybody remember when he raced, what everybody said about him? Because, like, no one had great things to say about Robbie when, nice guy, but, I mean, as far as being, like, this champion, you know? So, I don't know. Whatever. It's funny. No, I know what you're saying. It was always like, if he had it figured out, he would oh, God, if he, he only, Yeah, yeah. If only he right, could figure it out. you only do it once a year. So, you would say, like, man, the guy can't figure it out. Like, all the other intangibles, he can't quite seem to get aligned because he has the speed, but he only mm-hmm. figures out how to use it twice a year. So you wouldn't think that would be the guru. No. You unlock your no. potential weekly. But, no. I mean, it just shows there's such a huge difference between, you know, performing in the event and, and then being a coach. I mean, I point all the time to most sports, the best coaches are ones that barely even made it to the top level or didn't. They're usually the best coaches. So yep. you really can't take too much from someone's performance as an athlete and how they perform as a coach. There's very little connection usually. Uh, Chase Sexton. Did Bill Belichick ever play football? Did he ever play football? He I did. have no idea. No, he did. Yeah, he did. He didn't get, he didn't oh, he get did. very far. Yeah. Um, there you go. Best coach ever. Scotty Bowman, best NHL coach. Never never made it past uh, uh, the minors. So. Right. You know that, Weed. Right. You know that. Um, I don't know what sport you're talking about. Uh, Chase Sexton. Uh, Geico Honda rookie, not going to make the opener. Hopefully the next week he tweeted out or something. But where are we at? Again, I don't follow these amateurs. I don't really care. Uh, so where where is he at when he comes back? Why again? Like what level is he? Is he a Jordan Smith, Nichols, Ferrandez level? Is he a uh, Resland, Wentland level? Is he Forkner? Or what is Chase Sexton? I think he's being pitched as a potential Forkner rival, which might have been realistic at one point. But this is just too many setbacks. I mean, first of all, even if you're not ready for round one and you go to round two, I mean, you're not super ready. You know, you're not 100. If you're not 100 percent enough to race the first round, you're not 100 percent by round two. He's clearly going to be riding his way through an injury or recovering from an injury, and he's a rookie, and he missed the pro races he was supposed to do last year. That's just a big load. So I get a little worried in these situations where what if he goes out there and struggles, which would be totally understandable under these circumstances, then the whole thing's messed up. Confidence is messed up and, and all that. So I get a little worried in this situation. Had he not been hurt, story would be totally different, but it's all well, based on the injuries now. Tell me where he would be if he wasn't hurt. There's a lot of people from the amateur ranks that say, oh, man, he was able to run Fortner speed at times. And one of the interesting things about him is he was actually holed up in the Midwest most of his life. Like, he didn't ride year-round. So I think that was one of the things that made him appealing to these teams. Mm-hmm. When you're looking at the Dungy, Sealy, Brayton-type guys who have, like, been late bloomers, it's like, wait, he has all this talent, and maybe he hasn't even ridden full-time, and he'll have a lot of potential. That's where he would be. That's where he should be. But it's all messed up now, I think. Okay. JT, what do you think yeah. of Sexton? Do you know much about him? I don't know. I mean, I've watched him race as an amateur, which I probably more than you can say. Uh, I know you're huge on these uh, amateur nationals. Uh, but it'll be interesting. You know, he's missed He's missed so much time now. You know, he obviously was set to come race the outdoors, and then he hurt himself, and then trying to get ready for Supercross, and he hurts himself, or whatever's going on there. Uh, so I don't know that anybody could really give you a, a rock-solid prediction. Uh, we've seen guys like Zach Bell come out and set the world on fire and then never really pan out, you know. Um, and then we've seen guys come out and, and win right away, too. So these amateur guys, it's always interesting to watch them take the next step because you go from being a big fish in a small, um, a small pond to basically just 
completely reversing that to where everyone you're racing against is great and they were all amateur champions and they're all on great equipment and uh, not everyone not everyone adjusts and, and acclimates the same way. And especially when you're, you know, you can't stay healthy enough to get any momentum going. You know, that seems to be the kiss of death for a lot of these kids. Uh, so I just, I, I don't know him at all, but I would hope this for anyone that he can just find some some time to put some races together and, and figure this thing out because teams are only going to give you so long before they start to mentally write you off a little bit as not panning out. And, and that's not fair to him at this point when he hasn't even raced yet. Uh, a couple guys also, too, is uh, Bichelia going to miss, what, two rounds? Weech? And then we'll jump see, in? Yeah. Um, well, that's the, that's the hope. Because I think they can only rent uh, Kyle Peters yeah. to fill in for two. He's got to go to Australia. I, uh, I asked Jabin yeah. what was up with, with getting Peters. He said, well, he was in the office one day. He walked by my office. I'm like, that's all you got to do? <laughs> that's all you got to do is just walk by your office at JGR? <laughs> Uh, I just need to go by there more often. Yeah. Shoot, didn't um, Fast Freddie Norn and and uh, Jesse Wentland are teammates. I think. No, wait, are they? I can't. I can't keep it straight. But yeah, Norn's on a Honda team. on the um, on the on the Tyler team, right? Yeah. So I think you're right. See, it's different for uh, a guy like Bashelia than it is for uh, Chase Sexton. I mean, Bashelia was injured coming into the season last year, and he ended up getting a podium. He's just been around. You know, if the right circumstances hit, he can he can put it together. It's totally different, I feel like, when you have a rookie and you're coming in unprepared. That's what makes it dangerous for Sexton. Bisheglia, at any point, just like he did last year in Toronto, crazy race. It's been around. He can get you a result here and there. Um, uh, Traders Yamaha has Resland. And am I missing? Who am I missing? Yeah, Nick Gaines is your other guy. Oh, Nick Gaines. Oh, uh, Nick Gaines will be breaking Gaines. fantasy hearts everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. Breaking breaking femurs everywhere, I think. <laughs> always always getting jacked. Um Jeez. What else? Uh Norn? Yeah, Norn will be all right. He wrote to the yeah, end. I don't I don't see him as a real player though. I mean he'll be as you know, if he can get inside the top ten, I think that's a win for Freddie. I really believe that. Am I missing anybody else? Oh, we always do. Yeah. We always do. Well, what, what about Lorenzo? Where are we at on Lorenzo? The cycle trader team. I don't know, man. He's He is not. I can't say his last taken, name, so I can't say it. Yeah, well, Curcio. He has not taken the, the steps. I think he was a, a kind of a prospect um, the last couple of years, but he really hasn't taken the next step up to start winning these amateur national championships and beating guys like Sexton and these guys. Um, so I don't. I think he'll make the main event. But I don't. I don't expect any kind of lights out performance. Um, and, and maybe these guys surprise me. But uh, that's kind of where I see him in that you know that ten to twenty range where um, he will have some crashes and he'll have some some rookie moments. But I don't see him having the raw speed to to do anything inside the top you know nine or ten. Yeah. Um, anybody else? We am I missing? I feel like I'm missing somebody. No. The East is always a mess. When it comes to stuff like this, I mean, there are many other privateer tech. There, you don't have as many of these, uh, specifically the five different Yamaha support teams yeah. that come out every year right. in the West. Uh, so it's harder to categorize. I mean, there are, there, there's guys like Gannon Audette. You mentioned Wentland. Uh, I, I, A-Rod is out there somewhere, right? Like A-Rod yeah, A-Rod, somebody? yeah. What's traders. A-Rod? It's trader, A-Rod's Traders. Okay. No, he's not Traders anymore, is he? Oh, okay, well, there, there is a Traders yeah, team this year. He was Traders. 
Now Trader switched to Yamaha, and I think it's just Gaines and Rensland. But anyway, you never know which one of those dudes who are like privateers, so they're not being put out in press releases, and they're not in team videos or team photo shoots. You have no idea where they are coming in. So it makes it much harder on the East. And by the way, fans, if you're going to Minneapolis, you want to watch that first set of practices. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's a good time. <laughs> I, think, uh, I think guys like Renslin, you know, Renslin can be one of the guys that jumps out of that group of privateer guys because he has, he has some speed where he could get into yep. a sixth, seventh place position. And then Wentland always seems like he has a little bit of that too, where if things go perfectly, he can be in yeah. that six, seven, eight type yeah, my, spot too. My super, super sleeper is Wentland. Because before he got home, hurt home race. last year, and I think it was last year, the, the years all blend together, but uh, Wentland went like 12, 8, 8 or something in the first three and then got hurt, right? He was, yep. he was pretty good. Um, so my super, super sleeper would be Wentland. Keep an eye. He's on Suzuki now. So the toughest part for these guys, I think, is they don't have, and I think Bauer suffered from this, is in the 250 class, I think there is a significant drop off in equipment from the, the factory level teams yeah. to the not. And I just, I see that and I see guys that do well and nothing changes other than the team and the bike and their, their results are nowhere close. And I just, I just think that's resources and the testing time and the program and the, you know, even the practice bikes, just having the equipment to, to execute a program correctly. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the horsepower and all the things that matter for 250s. It just seems like it's so critical for these 250 guys to go from a, you know, an eighth or ninth place up to a fourth place. It just seems like a big difference. Weege, who's got the better coach, uh, Cincerillo or, or Craig? There's much more, I think, high and low to a DV. It's either going to be the greatest thing ever or not so great. Um, like, I don't, you see AC and Wade breaking up or having any drama ever. They'd probably be tweeting or whatever the heck the social media thing is in 15 years from now with each other, regardless, you know? But yeah. DV, DV knows a thing or two. Some of his methods are a little unorthodox, and a lot of riders don't believe in them, but they could also really work. So... There's much more feast and famine, I think, working with DV, whereas way, it'll be fine. Well, DV's grouchy automatically because he doesn't want to have to. He thought he didn't. He didn't know he had to go to the East Coast. So when he committed, he, he was dri- the races. He, he was driving distances, and everything. I think these these plane rides are going to catch up to DV, Daytona, <laughs> etc. You know, so I think at some point he starts losing his mind. <laughs> um, all right, so Savachi, that's our pick. I think, I think on paper it makes more sense yeah. as the favorite. Yeah. Yep. And yep. Uh, and um Hold on, I'm dealing with a text. Somebody's upset about the Lip Kit award. It's not me. Not that not that on paper means anything in this No. Um there's no crown. There's no crown. <laughs> I've not seen uh, I've there's not really seen no crown. crown in the West. I pick J Mark, you guys pick Forker Plessinger. <laughs> Those three I don't think are gonna win the title. <laughs> no. No, actually J Mart is mathematically eliminated. Like it, so. yeah, I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> um yeah. Yeah, it uh how about somebody just picks in Cirillo so somebody can flip out on us on Twitter and be like, Why is this kid get all the hype? Why? <laughs> um Just stir it up. I, I can't pick Ace. I uh, uh, AC no, is I'm the best picking. interview for yeah. sure. I I'll go Savachi and uh I say Osborne Craig are tied right behind Savachi uh for this title and AC is fourth and God knows what else and and the McElrath of the group could be 
A-Mart, which we all agree on, too. Gotta be A-Mart. Yeah. Gotta be A-Mart. So, yep. we'll, and we'll have a, um, yeah, uh, well, we can do a shit on Shane podcast with Alex at some point where we, we, we all just don't give him the credit he deserved all this all time. Uh, Nichols or Ferrandez, who does better? Uh, I'm, uh, I'm going to go Nichols. Flip a coin. I'm going to go Nichols, even with the injury. I'm going to flip a coin because I, I have not seen Nichols race enough, and I haven't seen Ferrandez race Supercross at all. So, uh, you know, whatever. Six and one, half a dozen the other. I don't, I don't know, man. The Nichols thing is such a such an unknown because that's a pretty serious injury, and Ferrandez, you know, is coming in, never raced American Supercross before that I know of. Ferrandez is, uh, a, is a grenade with the pin pulled. Right, yeah, but you know Nichols is bad. He's battling his own. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I think you'll see good out of both of them because they're on good equipment. And Ferrandis, like I said, I've heard really good things about his starts. But yep. I, I would be completely lying to you if I had any kind of insight over who should do better than the other. Uh, super sleeper. I already gave mine. Jesse Wentland. Super sleeper. Why get? Uh, I would pick Rensland. Uh, as mine as the super sleeper. So like Hampshire is my sleeper. Is yeah. that what we're saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yeah. super yeah. sleeper. Yeah. Yeah. See, I think Renslin is another one of these guys that was in this position and didn't put the pieces together. So the potential's there. Will they ever put the pieces together? Possibly. Uh, super sleeper, JT. Super sleeper's tough. Uh, my sleeper would be Benny. Um, man. I was gonna. I was gonna take Renslin. That's why I'm struggling so bad here. Uh, I guess well, I'm gonna take, go with Renslin too because I can't take. think of anybody. That was my guy. That, okay. I brought that up earlier. As far as I think he could jump into the top ten consistently. Okay, super, super, super sleeper. <laughs> I'm, oh, kidding, God. I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> that guy that Woodrow works with. I, know, I think he's doing a Reno cross. But that guy. Um, who's on the GPF team? Wait, they're doing no idea. Yeah, I, I don't know. They're doing a Reno cross, but they did super cross last year. Woodrow had him out. Can we talk about how lame it is that you can't ride arena cross on Friday and race the supercross? Can we talk about Does how anyone lame? know why that the arena cross guys were told because you have an advantage. You've, you've ridden the track. Oh, okay. So press day, which is the same exact thing every Friday, dude, it's it is, fine. it is. That is so lame. Whoever did that felled. If it was, if it was Ricky and his road to super, I don't know who made that. I doubt it was Ricky. I'm kidding. That's so yeah. lame. It's so lame to see uh, Gavin Faith and Jace Owen and LeMay, these guys jump into 250 class in Atlanta. That would have been awesome. So I don't know if it was the team. It takes away one of the best parts of that weekend. Like, oh. that's spicing it up. Like, any Dude. Supercross privateers could have jumped in. You know what? You know what probably happened? On Friday. It probably, I would love to blame Feld, okay? But I bet you the assholes on the teams went to Feld and said, you know, don't let them race. I bet you that's what it was. Oh, they're gonna have an advantage. They're gonna screw up our series. We don't want that. Oh, you know that's probably what happened. And Feld went fine. Okay, so I'm gonna blame the jerk off teams. I think that's uh, what that would sicken me if that was the case. I, I I don't see. I don't know why Feld would say and you can't do it. Why would Feld say you can't do it? What they want entertainment? I thought that was one of the most appealing things of the weekend. This potential wild card on both nights. Where what if? Nick Schmidt decides to race arena cross. What if he wins? That would be cool. What if Faith decides to race 250s on Saturday? What if he gets on the podium? That would be cool. You know what I mean? Like, you've just taken that interesting angle out. Dude, it's, and, and the Feld guys want entertainment. Yeah. 
So, you know. Yeah, I mean, Dunge is not going to race a rain across. I think we're safe there, right? <laughs> Dunge is not going to. Ladies and gentlemen, from yeah. Belle Plaine. <laughs> it's, and then, if, you're, if you're one of these privateers who's trying to make every dime you can, if you're Nick Schmader, you're top Jimmy, and you're in town, and you want to make an extra grand or something, and they go for it, like, that's cool, right? Unfortunately, folks, uh, Ryan Dungey is uh, uh, not able to race Supercross tonight. A guy named Stank Dog uh, <laughs> T-boned him and uh, <laughs> broke his tib fib. Uh, he's it's over. It's unable it's to over. make it. <laughs> I think before before we hang up, I want to throw in a couple sleeper guys that we didn't talk about. I just Cunningham, text, by the way, one. by the way, I just texted Prater. Let me get to the bottom of this. <laughs> All right, Cunningham, uh, Mitchell Harrison, Kyle Peters, who was taken over Pashelia. Dakota Alex is a great starter. I think he'll be in the mix at times, especially in the heat race stuff. And then uh, Cameron McAdoo, who's on uh, Smart Top Moto Concepts. We don't really know what to expect from him either. Where was this the beginning of the pod before I hit record? I said I felt like I'm missing guys, and you were supposed to bring people up. I'm saving it for the end. McAdoo is super sleeper. Screw uh, Wetland. I'm I'm, I'm out on him. McAdoo is super sleeper. All right. Well, I, I brought the content to the show. I just want to remember that. Yeah, at 52 minutes in. Great work. That's Thanks. all right. You wait, for, you wait and you listen all the way to the end to get to the good stuff. Mitchell Harrison? I forgot about Mitchell Harrison, and he's a star Yamaha rider. That, that goes to show you how good my notes were. But both, neither one of you brought it up. So <laughs> I just did. You practically work for Smart Top Motor Concepts now. Shocker. Oh, You're I, super sleeper. I'm welcome there anytime. I'm welcome yeah. there anytime, unlike you two. Uh, yep. Never mind. I do. I'm on board the train. Cunningham, Blue Buffalo. Okay, wait. Uh, Prater just said why. I'm gonna bring... <laughs> that would have been would have been so cool. I, as I've been telling Prater week after week at these races, he really needs to not have dudes like us have his number. <laughs> like he needs to just hide. Yeah, I'm the one who like attaches them on social media. Like, what's up, Parade with this press? Like, and everybody blows yeah, them up. Yeah, he needs to be lower right. profile. He needs to be lower profile. Yeah. His position, nothing to gain, everything to lose. Yeah, pretty much. I think that's what the, all those. Is guys anyone say. ever going to text Prater and be like, "Hey, dude, the fireworks and opening ceremonies were awesome, and I'm impressed that all the gates dropped exactly in the minute they were supposed to." Good job. <laughs> exactly. Well, no. Th- well, no. well, thanks to JT for bringing in those extra names at the end for be- coming in hot like that. So, yeah. thanks. Content, bro. Uh, Prater's replying right now. Um, everybody want to hold no. on? We're with, we're with bated breath. I just, I just, it's such a, why, why wouldn't you do that? They're only going to ride two lanes of the supercross track, I believe, right? Like they're not, it's not full deal. So yeah, they're going to have yeah, a bit like press day, right? They're going to have just a bit like of a, a bit of an edge on two lanes in press day. Are you telling me like RJ Hampshire and Christian Craig can't figure out like stank dog? They're just like, Oh God, stank dog's got that triple down i don't know if i can do it you know uh, i'm not sure so uh wait prater's thought bubble just went away he's speaking oh. all right we gotta go there. he knows fly flyracing.com racer x podcast 250 uh east breakdown jason thomas jason wygant uh thanks boys appreciate it thanks sam see you see you Thanks for listening to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick 
Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Sorbic is that he never said sorry. Because Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunis. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And, and Magoo was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right. And, right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, it, if it hadn't have been there. The Hurricane, Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Poland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? Right. They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home, and once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take their money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse, you know, and I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Pro Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I just pulled pick and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. Been no problem. My my ego got in the way, you know. The O Show, Johnny O'Mara. Stuff that you could you sit there, you didn't even want to ride it. You just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in. I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes Store to enjoy these and over 800 great motocross podcasts. Hey.